Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 390 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Todd, I almost called you Joe. Todd, I'm ready mm-hmm. to talk about comic books, TV shows about comic books, and other and sundry things. And I also want to go on the record here, because I forgot to mention it to you off microphone. If by some chance we do get another killer death storm, mm-hmm. I am accepting your gracious offer for <laughs> you to bring my comics to my super secret science job. That's funny because I was actually going to bring that up on the show, actually. Right. I beat you to it. So you, it's out of the way already. So. Right. Out of the way. So let's get into the show. That's right. Uh, in the news section, we have DC announces more uh, DC crossovers with other properties. Um, they also announced one of their biggest titles um, gets you know a reboot and new creators. A huge artist who never does commissions out announced that he's opened up his commission list for a short time and more information on the solo movie Denny's tie-in. <laughs> oh, 13 days away. I can't wait. 13 days away. Also, uh, con news, um, free digital books and sales. Uh, what we read last week, which was Mr. Miracle number seven and Marvel two in one number four. Um, and also what we're looking forward to this week and a big announcement of something that you may be able to purchase in the near, near future. Oh boy. Oh, 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 oh. Also, um, uh, my I art attack. Ill. You feel ill? Not I because, feel not, be- not because of the art attack. Right. I feel shill. <laughs> But, but anyway, um, also uh, at the end of the show, we're going to have spoilerly filled talk of Flash, uh, Wig O'Clock with Legends of Tomorrow, <laughs> and I believe we both watched all of Jessica Jones, right? That's correct. I was able to finish Jessica Jones in its entirety. Oh, I think we can get moving then. Well, Todd, wait a minute. You went over all that stuff and you forgot to mention the biggest thing that's happened in the last seven days since we recorded. It was just, I did? Yes, it was just announced yesterday that Daniel Bryan is coming Ugh. back to wrestle Ugh. in the World Wrestling Entertainment. Now, that's as we're recording this, Todd, at this very moment to pull back the curtain... They are doing the big reveal on SmackDown of what the direction for Daniel Bryan is going to be doing at WrestleMania. So I am sacrificing knowing that as it happens live. Phone is off, off. Twitter is down. All of my other (laughs) notifications are turned off as I do not want to be distracted while we're doing the show because that's how important the show is to me. But also I don't want it spoiled by some person sending me an excited message, and rightfully so... Daniel Bryan is coming back to wrestle in the World Wrestling Entertainment, not on some outlaw mud show in Chicago or in the outskirts <laughs> of Chicago or mm-hmm. some sort of other country that I can't go to or I don't want to watch because there's some sort of other thing that I got to do other than just go on to my World Wrestling Entertainment network. Um, 
But no, I this it was a big deal when it was announced on Tuesday today when we're recording this. Whatever time is all wibbly wobbly. Who gives a you know what? But uh, <laughs> Daniel Bryan is coming back to Wrestle Todd. It's the biggest news story in the history of the world outside of uh, the other Ebersol doing another XFL football league that was also announced today. But that's neither here nor there. Now, Joe, imagine me throwing up my arms gently, like you know, like with just so much I don't care. Meh. Oh. Meh. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare I? I've I've been officially I've been medically cleared not to care, oh. Joe. <laughs> no, but I just wanted to get that out of the way. I'm super excited about Daniel Bryan being back. Um, he's one of my he's. He's probably my favorite wrestler of what we refer to as the modern era. You know, like, guys who have been wrestling for the better part of the last, like, 10 to 15 years. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was, yeah. a, it was a real bummer when uh, he had to retire when he did. And obviously, injuries, of course, it's one of those situations where he's a guy that I like. And in a selfish way, I want to see him continue to compete. But he's also a guy that I like. And I don't want to see him permanently injure himself and not be able to live a normal life like so many other wrestlers before him have in pushing themselves too far or making poor choices or whatever it is. But over almost two years has gone by, um, multiple doctors, multiple checks, everything is, you know, cleared. And he is a smart person, wouldn't be making the decision that he's doing here to come back. And World Wrestling Entertainment wouldn't be allowing it to happen if all these things, all these little checks and balances weren't taken care of. Uh, But yes, 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 Daniel Bryan is back to wrestling. Here's here's the way I take it. And you said checks multiple times. You're like, there's checks and balances and there's been multiple doctor checks. My opinion, there's just been multiple checks written so Uh, he can get back in the ring. So uh, I hope he's okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. That's my take on it. So. All right. But yay, Daniel Bryan. I'm, We're done with I'm the so wrestling happy. stuff. Oh, thank God. Now, I don't believe you're not going to be, be like out in the ozone somewhere. I honestly don't. No. I'm focused on my show, on my podcast that I do uh, here. Yes. And I will be uh, checking Twitter constantly and breaking wrestling news about <laughs> Daniel Bryan as we go on. I might have to be breaking your face. <laughs> okay. So... DC has announced more books coming out for June. So is Marvel, but I think it's more so about DC, what they're doing here at this point. Um, Because they have the bigger stuff, I think, with uh, Scott Snyder uh, officially taking over the Justice League book, uh, with Jim Chung, uh, Jorge Jimenez, um, with a multitude of other uh, artists starting in June. Now, Mm -hmm. is this one of those, you know, most of the announcements of who's taking over what books and all the sort of things that both Marvel and DC kind of get stooged off like weeks and months ahead of time. Was this one that didn't get stooged off or is this one that I just missed? Well, it all depends on what you count by that because I've heard rumblings Mm -hmm. um, from certain uh, sites that are cool that bleed, Uh but uh, I don't know like how much it's been out there that that Scott was going to be doing something with Justice League, blah blah blah. So I don't know. I don't know how much of a like where it's been and stuff like that. Right, because I know he was doing a weekly miniseries of Justice League in May, and my my detective comics detective hat should have been on 
to mm-hmm. figure out that this was leading into something bigger. Right. Well, you know, you could also have been spinning out of metal whenever that finishes. So. Uh, allegedly next week, Todd. Allegedly? Allegedly. It's on okay. the early solicitations uh, list. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I hope it's got a better ending than it was supposed to have. <laughs> I heard they added extra pages, so you're going to be fine. Oh, good. And an, ep- and an epilogue. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you, uh, toward more recent uh, months and years, uh, especially with Dark Knight's Metal and the tail end of his Batman stuff before Rebirth, I think you, uh, between the two of us, had been running more cold on Scott Snyder than I had been. Very true, very true. Right, so I'm interested in this only because it's kind of like a bigger sandbox for him to play in. Because mm-hmm. it seems as though outside of that Superman Unchained miniseries, maxi-series, whatever it was that he did a couple years back, Right. He's mostly been confined in like either Vertigo-y stuff with American Vampire or Batman stuff with, you know, Detective before New 52 and then Batman here. Uh, the Dark Knight's Metal stuff, you know, Buyer Beware, it's a crossover. I think we've discussed it on the show that it just seemed more like here's an excuse to do a whole bunch of variant action figures. Right. But I'm intrigued to see what Scott Snyder could do with the Justice League. Um, in all honesty, I'm not intrigued. I will try the first issue because it's Justice League with a big name writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, and, and I'm not just saying this because like he's not my favorite writer anymore. I don't want to be bagging on the guy, but I have zero hopes for it mm-hmm. because I didn't like Metal as much, which was almost like a Justice League book because it has Batman, but it has all the you know. All the characters in it a little bit, um, so I don't I don't know what he's going to do, but will I try it and will I hope it's good? Yes, but I'm going to have a hair trigger on his uh, Justice League book, and understandably so. Now I am going to now where it was not on my radar before be picking up that weekly mini series leading into things, mm-hmm. and that may be the litmus litmus test for me to see how that pans out to see if I'm going to pick up the book on the reg because one it's a double shipping book. You know, coming mm-hmm. out twice a month, but it's also bumping up to three ninety nine. Which I saw that a lot of the stuff now is 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 bu- being bumped from double shipping months mm-hmm. into straight. Like they just announced Aquaman. Oh, Aquaman went. Um, I think Suicide Squad and another one are get Nightwing are going from double months. So I think they're what they're going to do is they're going to rotate some new ones in that are gonna, the new titles are going to be double shipping months. And then, because they're like getting rid of the Titans books, and already Super Sons got the, the the axe and stuff like that. So I have a feeling they're going to try and do the two ninety nine books for the new up and coming books and double ship them, and then move like the older stuff into into once a month. But uh, I'm wondering if even that mini series might now become the ongoing, if you know what I mean, right? With Justice League, so we'll have to wait and see. Or even further still, it's the test because that, written by Scott Snyder, leading into the Justice League book written by Scott Snyder, coming in June, is the Man of Steel book written by Bendis, weekly, you know, shipping miniseries, leading into his new Superman stuff. Right. Maybe this is going to be DC's test, of course, having your big guns, arguably your top two writers, you know, do these big sort of launches with that weekly miniseries leading into the ongoing books, uh, that this is going to be their new launch cycle and don't forget about another big thing that's going on at that time okay batman's wedding oh 
you are going to have a lot of big stuff going on at one time. Now, at DC. Why, why? I have to say this. Um, all the June solicitations aren't out yet. You know, DC's out, Marvel's out, I think like a few other RG Valiant, stuff like that. Um, as of the recording of this. But when I saw all the extra stuff that's being added for Batman's wedding. What? You, you mean, just look like at one shots? All the different one shots, yes. Like with the, and I'm not being into like, like the, you know, the mid tier writers. Oh, it's the cash grab on it. It's just, yeah. Very no obviously the cash grab, yes. But right. it doesn't make it sit any better with me. Are and you going to buy all those issues? Absolutely not. Right. Then what are you worried about? Um, I'm worried about the cash grab maybe scaring people off before the book even comes out. You know what I mean? Like I don't somebody think so. now, I... like I, you know that there's probably people who are just now, or when I say now, like within the last week or two weeks, that are now like, "Hey, Batman's getting wet, married. I should get on top of these books." Now, granted, they're good books. The two, the, the Batman book that comes out every two uh, every two weeks from Tom King is a really good book. But if you go to get the Batman wedding stuff, and you see that not only is there a two time shipping, um, m- you know, monthly book. But also, these five weird one-shots that are like Batgirl versus the Riddler, Red Hood versus Anarchy. It's like, what does any of this really have to do with the wedding? Mm-hmm, nothing. Right. And is it just going to be like, eh, I'm not even going to bother. And then they end up forgetting about it. And they never come back to it. And then they miss how good the Tom King Batman book has been. Nah, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. Because I, I, I honestly think, like, this this is problems that we've had. You know, we've discussed it, like, Secret Wars and Civil War and stuff, you know, at DC, like the big crossovers. When it's really great, the, the, uh, the single book is going to stand on its own. And maybe they'll have a Tom King written wedding something, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's, it's the thing that you, retailers will want to sell those books but in the end they'll be like yeah you don't need them you know what i mean like i don't think they're gonna be pivotal to the story so and i don't think they'll be burnout because like when stories are good it it people are willing to 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 let them go further if that makes any sense it does so but we shall see yep So, the other DC thing that was announced coming out in June is they're going back to the well of crossing over the the Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters with the other DC properties. You know, we had uh, the Green Lantern, Space Ghost, Booster Gold Flintstones, uh, etc., etc. And now they're going back to this again uh, with Aquaman Jabberjaw, Black Lightning Hong Kong Fooey... Flash Speed Buggy and Super Sun's Dynamite. So, right. while all of these are intriguing to me, this time around, none of them are really jumping out at me like before. I, and I want to say, it's I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, on the Elmer Fudd, you had a Tom King... And on, uh, for me anyway, jo- uh, Jonah Hex, Foghorn Leghorn, you had Jimmy Palmiotti who wrote the book beforehand. Well, that was, and, the, you know, because they did Hanna-Barbera, Looney Tunes, and now they're back to Hanna-Barbera. Right, I, I think that's what it is. Right, I think the strength of the Looney Tunes one may have taken some of the luster off the Hanna-Barbera one. 
Right. That's, I mean, I'm getting out there, but I'm, yeah, I, I think maybe that's some of what it is. I don't know. Um, I, and also it's the names on the book that uh, the only one that I'm interested in is the flash speed buggy one. Cause I was a big, I was a sucker for speed, speed buggy back in the day. Zoom, zoom, zoom. He was my, 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 one of my favorite Hanna-Barra cartoons and it's the flash. So that's the one that I'm looking forward to, by the way, fantastic speed buggy impersonation. <laughs> How's your well? Here, hang on. I'm surprised they didn't do this crossover. And if they do next time, patent pending, patent pending, trademark. I'm going to write it down in the envelope and send it to myself so it's copywritten or whatever <laughs> you do. Uh, next time when they do this loop and they do Gorilla Grodd Grape Ape. Oh. And it's Grape Ape, Grape Ape. See, it's perfect. It's like right. he's sitting right here next to me, Mr. Ape. <laughs> Yes, I'm right here. Let me get him. Hang on. <laughs> creepy, creepy. Um, but no, this one, um, you know, there's a couple, like, weird backup features with, like, Funky Phantom and Captain Caveman and the Spectre and all that sort of stuff. So there's some interesting stuff, but nothing really hopping out on me. I'm more interested to see what they're going to do next time around with the Looney Tunes ones. That's coming back. I guarantee right, you Right, of course. Um, but yeah, so uh, you, Todd, had one more other... DC-related thing to discuss in regards to uh, one of the biggest artists, I guess, not only at DC, but in in history, uh, opening up his commissions. That's right. Um, Jim Lee has announced that he's going to be doing a, a con in Italy, and he's opening his con li- or commission list for a short time, and he's going to get them done and apparently have them ready for this con, which is in a month, I believe. Um you have the name of the con, right, Joe? Uh, it is the Lake Como Comic Art Festival, uh, and it takes place next month, exactly like one week from this weekend, or one month from this weekend. And uh, yeah, Jim Lee going to Italy, and right. uh, he's opening up his commissions. Uh, he sent out a tweet the other day, says, we'll be setting up commissions in advance of my attendance. Uh, please contact my agent for details, only for those who will be at the convention, just to be clear. Right. Because people will be like, oh, then why can't you mail it to me? You know, blah, 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 which I get. So now, recently, you know how they have Facebook groups, Joe, like for everything? Sure. Like you could, right. So I, uh, they, they probably have one for your Marvel uh, puzzle adventures and wrestling multiple. and w- multiple. So they have one for commissions and sketch prices and stuff like that. And our friend, jo- my friend Josh, our friend Josh is one of them who's in that group. So I saw him there and I just happened to sign up for it the other day because I was looking for some commissions. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to join this group. And then this this blew up in there. This blew up in there. So, like, Josh even sent off the email. He got the email and he sent me the prices. And then, you know, we'll discuss about, like, the, the, the group, which I love reading the posts in the group. But, so, basically, um, Josh got the information of the prices and what you can get for those prices. And I thought I would uh, run them past you. Um, the only thing that I don't know is because he didn't send me the whole email. He j- just sent me the prices is that it, I, people in this group that I've joined, that's how I know this, are saying that you're not allowed to pick the character. Oh. You're just allowed to pick the tier. But Josh didn't tell me that when he sent me the, the prices. And he says, I don't remember because I just looked at the prices, went not for me, and I deleted the email. <laughs> so. So we're good to go on that. But uh, I'm going to start out with this is the description. 
These two are the same price. You could either get a 9 by 12 inch bus shot, no background, or a blank cover comic, only bus shot with no background. Jim Lee will supply the blank comic cover. Like, you know, so you're going to get whatever he gives you. Oh, that's nice of him. That's very nice of him. Take a swing at what that's going to cost. Okay, so we have two different tiers that you're talking about, right? No, this is this. These are the same price for these two different things: nine by twelve, okay, on a on a on art board or a comic cover, blank comic cover. You know, and they're both the same thing: bus shot, no background. I'm gonna say a grand up, two grand up, <laughs> five grand down. So like three fifty, like thirty five hundred. Four grand for that. Woof. Okay. So now... I don't like Jim Lee that much. So we have an 11 by 17 inch bus shot one one character with no backgrounds. So that's the next tier up? Yeah, that's the next size of so paper. So if, of- if the first one was four grand, this one's five grand. Oh, I'm sorry. Nine by 12 is, 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 is the next one. Nine by 12, full figure with limited backgrounds. I jumped one. Nine by 12 inches, full figure, limited backgrounds. The previous one was four. This one's five. This one's six. Oh. <laughs> okay. Up next is 11 by 17. Mm-hmm. That's the size of a page. Like when you buy artwork from a comic yes bus shot one character no backgrounds that's 10 grand that's seven grand that's your deal i think that's your deal joe right that's the sweet spot that's the sweet spot because now when we get to 11 by 17 that's same size of a comic page full figure one character now with limited backgrounds limited backgrounds. that's got to be the grand or the 10 grand that one is fifteen thousand oh, dollars, Joe. Oh, 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 goodness. So uh, he sent me those. I got stickers. My chest down. hurts, Todd. <laughs> oh, your chest hurts. I know. I legitimately know what that feels like. But I was like, "All right, you know what? Whatever. If he can get this, by all means." And in this group, it's fascinating because you have the people going. You know, I'm uh, whatever. Jim Lee can do what he wants. He doesn't take commissions. He just, I don't even know when he did commissions last, Joe. I honestly don't. So he can get whatever he wants. He's one of the biggest names in the industry. And then there's the other ones like, oh, this is a ripoff. How can he do that? Fans can't get what they want. But I'm like, in this group, they're also talking about somebody who bought a uh, Todd McFarlane quick doodle from somebody for like $400 and then he's flipping it on eBay for 4,000. I'm like, like this is really opening up my eyes to like what prices are with certain creators. And it's fascinating. And just to see, like, it's like any other hobby, the fans, like there's fans who accept it. And then there's the fans who I, who I hate are like, you know what? I can't afford it. So this is bad. Like, this is what's wrong with the industry. When did sketching become a business? <laughs> like, honest, like they don't say become a business, but they do. They're like, this is wrong. I'm a fan, and I can't get this. I want that, and I can't get this. And I, and, and it's something that a couple of us say at the comic shop all the time when it's something expensive. It's nice to want things, isn't it? 
And that's the way I am. I would love a Jim Lee $15,000 sketch. I'm probably not getting Oh, my goodness. I'd also like to pay my mortgage for a year. What? Oh, see, that's the best part is I don't have a mortgage. <laughs> so I could be willy-nilly on those Jim Lee sketches. Now, right. I mean, yeah, you could get a couple. You could get two. Yeah. One, two, uh... Yeah, yes. <laughs> Double. Uh, also, I'll say this. That's mm-hmm. that's a world that doesn't make a lick of sense to me, right? Okay. But those prices obviously are being asked because that's what one would assume. Like, I don't think Jim Lee just randomly picked those numbers. The fact that you're going through his agent to do this, I'm sure these numbers are very well vetted uh, regarding, as you mentioned, uh, similar artists, uh, similar frequency of doing commissions, all these things, and I'm sure that Jim Lee and his agent have some sort of algorithm. And the fact that this group that you're in is not 100% unanimously, this is the worst thing that's ever been perpetrated on the art collecting community, Means to say that there's enough, that it's priced in a way that there's enough people that will do this. Oh, there is. And I get it. Like, now is it, you don't understand how somebody could pay this kind of money for art or? I am a piker when it comes to original art. You know what I mean? Right. The most expensive piece that I have is that page from Guardians of the Galaxy, the Abnett and Landing run that was done by mm-hmm. Wes Craig. That's the full page shot of Kang. Right. And I think that was maybe like a hundred bucks. Ooh. You know what I mean? And I was sweating in parting with that money. Mm-hmm. But I really liked the book. I like Kang a lot. It was a right. full page shot of him. It was kind of like not a huge artist, but it was an on the fringe artist. Uh you know, he's gone on to do bigger things since. But at the time he wasn't huge. It wasn't like it was that um uh, Raphael Albuquerque, one-page shot from the last issue of Blue Beetle with Guy Gardner saying, yeah, I'm the crazy one, mm-hmm. that I think was sold the second that the ink was dry on the actual physical comic itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that one, if he had it available, and it was a somewhat reasonable price, I probably would have bought it. Right. Because it was from a book that I enjoyed. It was a full-page shot of a character that I really like, and it was an artist that I like as well. It was, like, all these things. I like Jim Lee. Not enough to spend four grand on a sketch. A very limited sketch at that, but obviously I run in a different circle of comic book community than these folks do. Right. Now, just a side note to uh, with Josh. Like, Josh, Josh's eyes lit up. Right. Not because of the prices, not only just because of the prices he's asking for sketches, is that Josh won a sketch off of Jim Lee like eight years ago. Oh, really? Yes, it was a Twitter thing where it was like, oh, if you send this code to my, like this, you tweet this word or phrase, I don't even remember, it was years ago, to my rep. You'll win, like, and I think he had, like, three pieces, or maybe only had, he did it a couple of times, I don't remember. But Josh ended up winning a Green Lantern by, Ooh. like, a, a, a 9 by 12, I think, or maybe a little bigger. So, like, we're already in the, what people, what he's asking for, like, four to $6,000. And Josh got that piece, it has a little bit of a background, it's Green Lantern, a bus shot, and he's just like, oh my god, like... If that's the going price, like, 
and he paid nothing for it. It was because he tweeted somebody. I'm like, that's that's like fine. That's that's found money, son. Yeah. So good for him. I don't even like Green Lantern that much anyway. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'd hold on to that. That's gonna be worth something someday. Right. When they make another Green Lantern movie to wipe the stink of the previous one away. I was just watching that the other day, thinking of you. Did you lose a bat? No, it was on TV, and I couldn't reach the remote. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was laying on the couch. I would have thrown, like, I, with I just, like, my Cheeto dust the TV on my fingers. break the TV. <laughs> it's just, oh, I was like, oh, I can't get up. <laughs> I'm so tired. So, uh, the last bit of news, of course, is just kind of going to kind of be a rolling thing over the next couple of weeks, and that's uh, an update on uh, Todd's Twitter fun that he's having <laughs> with the yet-to-be-revealed solo, a Star Wars movie, Denny's Menu, debuting April 3rd at a participating Denny's near you. Not a sponsor. Maybe they might be. I'll look into that. I don't know. Um, I am having a blast uh, tweeting out my menu ideas um, <laughs> until until the, the, the 3rd of April. Um, do I have enough of them to get me to the 3rd? Possibly. Possibly not. But I think I've been on a roll lately. Um, I'm enjoying them. And there's been a few people that we know personally that are like, where are you doing this Denny's thing and, wh- and, and when? Because um, we want in. And I'm like, well, well, I'll have to discuss it with my partner, Joe, who, who calls all the shots because he's a dictator. Right. Um, we'll have to see. But uh, I think I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to see what Denny's is going to do. And I want to see if they steal any of my ideas. I got to look for uh, what you have se- since tweeted out. Can I say them on the air? Yes, they're fine. I'm not giving you any of the new ones. Oh, not the ones that you've... Uh... Not tweeted that out I got, yet. Yeah, the one I, as someone once said, I have in the chamber. Uh, so there's the That's No Moons Over My Hammy. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. I'm just going to say how good these are that I did as well. Oh, on a scale of great to awesome? Yes. Uh, the Boba Fettuccine Alfredo. I like that one. I think that's a little too rich for Denny's. Okay. The Wonton Ton Soup. That could happen. Right, that could happen. Um, the, from the dessert menu, the Millennium Ice Cream Falcones. That's good, but it was also from the Tatooine dessert menu, like Tatooine Desert. I get it. Get it? Get it? Uh, Ewok Stir Fry. Yeah, that's a good one. Sure, sure. And uh, I think that's all we've had so far to date. Um, I think the only one that you could, that I... (sighs) There's definitely going to be some sort of something moon over my hammy thing. Like, that's no moon. There's definitely going to be something then. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to spoil anything of yours because I know you haven't um, tweeted it out yet. But there's definitely going to be something Kessel Run something something. Like, Kessel mm-hmm. Run's going to be worked in there somewhere. Right. I, I This just came off the top of my head. So I, the, I, I don't think they'd use it because of the way they would describe it. But I think it should be the Kessel Runny Eggs. Oh, <laughs> 
but yeah, we'll discuss off air uh, when we're gonna do uh, the Denny's venture. I think we got to right. literally strike while the skillet is hot on that one. Oh, good stuff. Right. I think I'm gonna burn one right now. Uh-oh. I think I'm gonna burn. One. Oh, just for our listeners, Todd. What a treat our listeners are in just... for to hear one of your jokes actually read aloud by you instead of having to read it with their dumb eyes. <laughs> That's right. And I'm gonna use it throughout the day like one of your favorite comedians. Oh, okay. And Geechee this is guy? one of what Geechee guy. He's my favorite comedian. No, he's oh. this is your second favorite comedian then, ladies and gentlemen. This is one of the things that you could order at the Danny's Han Solo menu. Han Burger. <laughs> Instead of hamburger, Han Burger. I like that. Han Burger, Joe. That guy's got a lot of gimmicks going on. <laughs> That's right. What was his name? Like Alfonso Jones or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's, oh, man. I think it's Alfonso Jones. Yeah, so there you go. Han Burger. <laughs> Alonzo Jones. Alonzo Jones. Sorry. Right. They should get him to do the commercial dressed as Lando. Oh, my goodness. Why wasn't he Lando in the movie? <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. It's... He's Lando's dad. <laughs> Lando's dad. Right. Who's who's your buddy? This is Han. Han Berger. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. We need to move on. I know. Oh, I'm just, just going like, to be talking about this all, all day. Right. Uh, conventions this weekend, uh, conventions all over the place, uh, smaller conventions in Tillicook, Oregon, the Oregon Coast Comic Con, the four-state Comic Con, which surprisingly is only in one state, Maryland, uh, (laughs) the Gem City Comic Con in Dayton, Ohio, uh, AIW was just in Dayton with their big debut a couple weeks ago, I'm sure, uh, the town of Dayton still hasn't recovered from AIW being there with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, the Collective Con in Jacksonville, Florida, which, uh, proud supporter of Wig O'Clock, Brandon Routh, will be there. <laughs> but the two biggies this weekend, uh, is the South Carolina Comic Con in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Frank Cho, Steve Epting, Jim Steranko, Kyle Starks are gonna be there. Mm-hmm. And the big, big, big one is WonderCon in Anaheim. And when I say big one, Scott Snyder's going to be there. Gail Simone's going to be there. Mark Wade is going to be there. Jim Lee is going to be there. So if you want to go ahead and get on his sketch list now for Italy, just head on out to Anaheim. Get on the sketch list. Mm-hmm. And go from there. Just hand him a sweaty fistful of hundreds. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be a lot of hundreds. and going to have big, meaty fists to do that. Uh, a sweaty fistful of thousands? Yes. Do they make? Okay. Are, is there a thousand dollar bill, Todd? I don't even know. There was one. There, I don't know if they still have them. I know there's a ten thousand bill dollar bill at one point. So. It's out of it's out of circulation. Yeah, just like most of my blood. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> you should see a doctor. That's right. Or at least, a, or at least get a few leeches or something. Uh, my doctor told me my heart's pumping bacon. So. <laughs> You doctors tell us that we're supposed to have eight glasses of gravy a day. <laughs> anyway, the links to all of these conventions are going to be in the show notes when you head in the uh, episode distri- description uh, or over at the website. And, of course, uh, information will be over there as well in the show notes about the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where any time any of these shows under our umbrella of a tertiary 
network, uh, whether it be Longbox Heroes, of course, this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Podvocacy, Everlasting Minute, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, uh, anytime any of these shows come out or any of the people from these shows appear on other shows, it'll be up at the site. Now, there was speculation on Twitter this past week, Todd, that one of the long-since-retired shows on the network, a show that has not had a show published in nearly eight months, allegedly recorded a show this past Monday. Mm-hmm. Now, I've only seen three-fourths of this show in its existence, and that's uh, Prodigal Son's podcast. Personally, one of my favorite shows. I actually sent... Uh, the Prod Prodders, a very heartfelt email today on how happy I was that they were actually going to be coming back. Now, this will not be the first time that they have recorded a show, and the show has not been published yet, as of this recording. If it comes to a full week and the show has not been recorded, I'm going on record and saying, whatever remnants of the show I can get, I'm putting up on the After Dark feed. Oh boy. Swiping it, huh? I'm swiping it. I have that ability. Mm. I'm pulling a, I'm pulling a, I'm pulling rank on this one. Gotcha. Uh, so find out all the goings on of all the shows in the network, most notably uh, Prodigal Sons podcast. Hopefully, it comes out. My fingers are crossed. I definitely recommend you checking it out. Just like I recommend you checking out all the uh, digital sales that are going on. Uh, that Marvel sale is still going on where all those crazy collections are on sale for 99 cents. Uh, I was recommending stuff to people left and right over the last seven days. I even purchased a couple things myself just because I'm like, hey, this is new, something I haven't read. Hey, I need the entirety of Walt Simonson's run on Thor for $2. <laughs> How can I pass that up? Um, so definitely check that out. Mar there's a ton of other sales going on. Marvel has another sale going on, a buy one, get one free. That one you have to put in a code to do. Uh, a couple of the ones that have been straggling from the last couple of weeks are still in there. Uh, Boom is having a sale on the Lucas Stand stuff. I'm not really sure what that is. The Space Goat Evil Dead sale is still going on. Uh, IDW has sales on Women's History Month and fantasy stuff. Uh, Caliber Press is still having a sale. Dark Horse is having a sale on Department H stuff. But DC currently has two sales going on. One is on Shazam stuff. I guess there's been a lot of Shazam movie stuff in the news. We've seen the costume. We've seen the logo for the movie. All this sort of jazz. Too many colors for my liking in a DC movie, Todd. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I do like my muted, sad colors in right. my DC movies. Uh, but the thing that I would recommend out of uh, what they have available in this sale is some of the Jeff Johns JSA stuff. Uh, they have a whole run of things from issue 23 uh, to... And then they do a little bit of break there, but they have like two full collected stories, issues 23 to 28, and then they have issue 32 to 38. And that 32 to 38... Uh, is Stealing Thunder, where it's like a whole alternate reality sort of thing, with mm -hmm. uh, the lightning bolt. And it's really good. I have very fond memories of it, and I recommend checking that one out. A few other assorted things here and there. Something else to check out, something that we haven't talked about on the show in quite, quite some time, um, is Fables. Fables is on sale, and it's the entirety of it. It's all the... Spin-off books, all the miniseries, is, 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 all the collections, everything is all on sale. And uh, I think the further we get away from Fables, I think the less fondly we remember it, sadly. 
And I would say that the first, what, 50 issues, 48 issues, somewhere in that neck of the woods, is some of the best comics that Vertigo has done. I'll actually have to take your word for it. Never read a Fable oh, comic my goodness. in my life. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I really think you would enjoy it. Um, you I, know, it kind of starts off, uh, you know, kind of detective-y, and then it starts, like, uh, tripping and putting these characters into different genres and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when there's the big reveal of who the uh, adversary is around issue, like, 40, 45, somewhere in that neck of the woods... Uh, that would have been a good cutoff point, at least in my opinion, for the book. And then it continued to run for quite some time longer. And uh, unfortunately, even I fell off on it. But uh, the first, like, 48 to 50 issues are some of the best comics ever put out. Highly recommend it. I'll have to check that out. Absolutely. And all the links to these, as I mentioned, will be in the show notes, of course. Um, so, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Uh, I'm going to let you start things off because I've been rambling for a bit. That's fine. Um, I'm going to start with Marvel 2-in-1 number 4, um, written by Chip Zdarsky, uh, drawn by Valario Chite. I'm not sure how to say the name. Careful now. I know, I'm trying to be. Um, but basically, since we... Uh, Johnny Storm has been losing his powers, and uh, Ben Grimm has been trying to help him to, to fulfill a promise that he made to Sue, that if anything ever happened to him and her and Reed, that he'd take care of her. So basically they've decided through meeting a woman who has is an expert on powers, apparently a very uh, smart woman by the name, I think it's pronounced Roshana Cole, but I'm not 100% sure on that, um, that they went to her for help. And she didn't want to help them, but then she finds out that they have this dimensional uh, traveling device that they can travel to different dimensions, and all of a sudden her interest is piqued. So um, going off to find Reed, who may be able to help uh, Johnny with his powers, she decides to join them, but she definitely has ulterior motives um, because she leaves a person that she knows, and she says that she's going to be back, and she may have found what she was looking for. Um, so they go to this alternate universe and she wanders off and people start showing up because it's the thing and human torch. And they're like, uh, Wolverine and she Hulk show up and they're like, this isn't right. Something's wrong. And they attack them. They think they're scrolls, yada, yada, yada. We find out where this universe diverged from our Marvel universe. And it had to do with the moment Galactus showed up to devour the planet way back in, I think it was Fantastic Four, like 48, 49, 50. Um, and we find out like why everything's gone wrong and, and the read in this universe has gone sideways. And basically, uh, spoiler alert, it's because doom gotta be doom. And, um, once again, I'm really enjoying this book. Jim Chung has taken another break on it, but, uh, I think the art on it is, is still beautiful. And the book, the thing I love about this book is the heart with Thing and, and Torch and them trying to find Reed. And uh, I feel bad for the Reed in this universe and what happened to the Fantastic Four. Um, I'm really lo- loving this book, but I like we always say I'm a sucker for the FF, so I don't know if that's part of it or if it's just that darn good. Uh, I would definitely say that this book is surprisingly that darn good. And I only say mm-hmm. that because uh, Chip Zdarsky, at least for me, usually writes a little bit more silly, I guess. Right. And while there is silly in this book, it's not overpowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 
and again, I can't speak for him, of course, but one would expect Marvel to know how important this book is going forward with them kind of getting the rights and everything that this possibly could be leading into whatever the Fantastic Four book is going to be. Uh, Chip, I'm sure, comes from an era, like many other creators of his era and ilk, um, that have a respect for the Fantastic Four. Right. And know not to go so overtly crazy with uh, the Fantastic Four stuff. Now, of course, you mentioned about the Galactus stuff and how this kind of goes uh, back to, I guess you said, what was it, issue 48 of Fantastic Four when the Galactus first showed up? I believe it was either 48 or 49. I don't remember if Silver Surfer showed up in 48 and Galactus showed up in 49. It's, you know what I mean? That, that's all a blur at this point. Right. So to me, that's definitely where it felt like this was the, you know, divergent point of the different universe that they went to. I like how they dealt with the different universe. Of course, Beast talking to them. How he just very quickly said, it's like, well, you're not younger, you're not older, so you guys are probably just from a parallel universe. Right. Some uh, detective skills. Right. I like that bit, and it wasn't something that they, like, and this is something that we'll kind of get into maybe a little bit later on when we get into TV talk. Mm-hmm. They, Fantastic Four, Marvel characters, comic book characters under the greater umbrella of things, live in this world where the impossible is possible. Literally anything can happen, right? Mm-hmm. And these characters get to a point where they just no longer question the ridiculous things that go on. Right. And I say ridiculous as, here are two people that we thought were dead, or indisposed, or whatever it is, they show up with no knowledge of our world, you know, and obviously there is the trope, of course, with like, oh, we gotta fight them, or it's, uh, they're evil doppelgangers, and they even do that in this, where there's scrolls, right? Right. But you have your clear-headed thinking people who were like, oh, okay, you're obviously not our people. You're you're not this. You're not that. So you're obviously this. Moving on. There's bigger problems. To, there's bigger fish to fry here. This is a small problem. Let's move on to the bigger problem. Right. Don't overthink this. Don't overthink it. Moving on. And mm-hmm. that, I think, is something that I appreciated happening in this book. And, I, and I'm finding myself wanting to happen more often in the other comic-related media that I involve myself with. Well, I guess we'll talk about that very soon. We'll talk about that a little bit later on here as well. But I like the book. I like the twist that they did. Uh, I really like the art in this. Now, uh, Valerio Sheedy, I'm not really sure how to pronounce the last name. Um, I first saw Valerio's art when they were doing... Guardians of the Galaxy with Bendis. Mm-hmm. And I really liked uh, Valerio's art then, and I really liked the art here. Now, I know there was a different artist that was on this book initially, and I don't know um, if Valerio is going to be the ongoing artist from here on out, but it was like Jim, Jim Chung was on the first two is- issues, Carlos Pacheco was on the third issue. Uh, Sheedy is on this issue. I don't know if they're going to do more of a rotating artist thing, but I would certainly like to see Sheedy on a more regular book. Yes. And uh, the thing the, with this book is I I was under the assumption Jim Chung was the regular artist. No need to, to knock him, but he can't do it. He never could. Um, and he's already announced as an artist on another book, and I forget what it is. 
So I don't think we're going to see any more of him on this. So I don't know if we're going to have rotating artists. And I want to say that uh, Sheedy, I want to say was on Superior Spider-Man for a while? Possibly. Let me look. Come on, Internet, tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm shaking my computer. Um, Looks like it was on Miss Marvel for a bit. Did a backup or two in Thor. Looks like it was primarily Gardens of the Galaxy stuff toward the end of Bendis' run. Mm -hmm. Or actually for a majority of Bendis' run, actually. It looks like from issue 12 on. I'm just diving deeper in to see where Superior Spider-Man shows up. Uh, on the list, and it's not showing up yet. A mm. uh, little bit of Mighty Avengers, a little bit of Journey into mis- Mystery, no Spider-Man. All right, I could have swore. All right, I'm wrong. There was but somewhere there I was somewhere this, I was reading. It, it is going by Marvel's website, which is uh, at times unreliable. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, book uh, art's really good in this book. Um, if you're a Fantastic Four person, you definitely should be checking this book out. I agree. So moving on to the other book that I'm sure that we both read, uh, Mr. Miracle number 7. Coming off the cliffhanger of the previous issue. Now, I do want to tread um, a little bit lightly only because... The solicitation text doesn't give away what's going on in the book. Right. But and one of the, six. One of the covers do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, written by uh, Tom King with art by Mitch Gerards. Um, so, a little spoilery here. Only because I think if you're reading this book, you know. If you're not reading the book... I don't think... Maybe this will entice you to write, read it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, in an invasion into uh, New Genesis in the last issue, in a casual conversation while Barda and Miracle are having this big giant battle, it is revealed about three-fourths of the way through the book that Barda is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Flash forward to this issue, she is full-term and giving birth to the child. The waiting room is filled with the Furies from New Genesis, <laughs> and it is a big deal because this is the first time that a new god is being born, let alone being born on Earth. Mm-hmm. The tonal shift in this book, from issue to issue, from scene to scene, I don't want to say is jarring, but it's fascinating the way that this story is being told. I agree. I literally have no idea where this book is going next. When the book first began, it seemed as though it was about Mr. Miracle attempting to cheat death, the ultimate, you know, the ultimate escape from death. Now here we are at the life portion, you know, creating new life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say that this book may be too smart for me, but there's Archie comic reprints from the 60s that are too smart for me. <laughs> right. I am enjoying this book. But again, I think this is a book that once collected, once finished, I'm going to have to read all again in one sitting. 
this is my take on it. I think after reading Vision and Omega Men, and I really enjoyed those, but I was a big dum-dum early on in them. Right. And especially with Omega Men. Omega Men, as I got around to 8, 9, 10, it all starts to fall into place. Like, I will admit, like, he's ponderous. Like, it's good, it's written well, but, like, what's going on is ponderous. And then, like, as in the home stretch, every time I've read one of his 12, you know, issue stories, he's nailed, he's stuck the landing. So I'm willing I'm willing to let it go. I think it might read, like you said, a little bit better when you sit down and read it all at once. So I might be missing stuff. But the thing I absolutely adore about this, this episode, or about this issue, and to me, it should be on the back of the trade paperback. This, this line is so good. But uh, when it comes to this issue about uh, the, the baby being born and the Furies are in the waiting room and just a baby being born is uh, absurdity just collides with the mundane in this book. It's going from Scott talking to Barda in you know with her you know having the baby and he's, he's they're just talking they're like this is this this is that and then he goes out and he's talking there's like just the look of the fury sitting in a waiting room and like Mad Harriet is just speaking and you're like this is insane and then he goes back into the room and he talks with Barda. And it's like, you know, this and that. And then he goes back out of the room and he's like, and they're like, I will kill you someday, Scott Free. I will kill you. Now go in and talk to your wife. And it's, I'm like, back and forth. It, it's crazy. But I love it. And as I'm noticing more stuff, I want to know what the little, you know, like when the, when basically like the, 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 the fuzz on a TV screen that goes on, why that keeps popping up. And we're going to get an answer at some point, I hope. I just, this book, every time, I'm, I'm a little confused, but I want to read more every time. I love Mr. Miracle right now. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, it's, it's, every time it comes out, it's great. And it's, as you mentioned, like Vision and like Omega Men before. I haven't gotten a chance to read Omega Men, of course, but Vision, once you get to that home stretch of those last three issues, the 10, the 11, the 12, all those stuff that you question of, here's something that came up in issue, one and two and kind of fell by the wayside is three and four and then it's five and six and now seven and whatever's going to happen and eight everything all comes back together right so i'm confident uh that that's going to happen tom king to date has not led either of us astray and i'm sure if you're reading any of his stuff you the listener i'm sure you have not been led astray either right so that's what we've read from this past week let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, uh, which if you get your books in print, whether you get them in trade, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's getting ready to come out. Now, Todd and I are doing two things in the calendar year 2018. One is what we always do, which is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I have a two-correct guess lead over Todd. Perhaps he can close that gap this week. We're also keeping a running tally of how much money we have spent, less supplies, uh, on comics. Uh, Todd has the lead because of that fancy Casey Jones mask. But uh, this is one of those weeks where I'm nipping at his heels. Um, now you, um, again, started the show, so of, co- of course you guess first when right. it comes I'm to look- uh, what's coming out, or what I'm looking forward to, what I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. Right. I'm looking over your list, and is it Quantum and Woody number four? It is not. 
Oh. Uh, while I am enjoying Quantum and Woody number four, uh, Quantum and Woody, uh, there's like, as sad as it is to say, there's like three or four other books above it. Mm-hmm. This book, for me, is almost getting to, well, I don't want to tip my hand. Uh, but the book that I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is Kill or Be Killed number 17. Right. Every time that book comes out, it's fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. Right. You, on the other hand, I think the book that you were most looking forward to coming out this week is Mighty Thor number 705. It is Mighty Thor 705. We're bingo, in the bingo. home stretch. The lead gets bigger. Um, again, this week very easily could have been Batman 43, could have been uh, Mighty Thor, could have been Thanos, could have been Quantum and Woody. For me, it's Kill or Be Killed. I took a shot. Thor 705. This allegedly is the last stand of Jane Foster. Right. With an epilogue, I believe, after that. Right. I know some people are happy about that. I am intrigued to see what Jason Aaron does next with all of these characters. I know a few weeks ago we had postulated of what's going to happen to Jane Thor, and I'll be interested to see how it pays off in the coming issues. I agree. So, uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the stuff that we've done in the past. Everything that Todd and I have ever done on the internet, whether it be past episodes of this show, uh, past pull posts, Todd and Joe have issues, which swept 2017 like gangbusters. All of that stuff is over at longboxheroes.com, as well as our little store button where you can purchase shirts or stickers with our fancy logo on them. And, Joe, Joe, hold your roll, hold your roll. Are you ready? You ready for this? We're announcing dun, 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 the pre-order of official Longbox Heroes pins. That's right, Longbox Heroes pins. Joe caved, everybody. Joe caved. Uh, if you head over to the store, click on that, you can see a mock-up of what the Longbox Heroes enamel pins <sighs> are going to look like. Um, to, and again, I, I, I kid the folks over at Pollyanna DIY do a lot of good work. They've done a lot of pins, uh, for a lot of friends of mine in wrestling, outside of wrestling, on the fringes of wrestling bands and so forth. Uh, check them out, uh, for a lot of their merchandise that they have. Uh, we've been working with them over the last couple of weeks, working on what we want the pin to look like, what it's going to be, and to be able to price it in a way that it's not going to be egregious to you. I know pins, as Todd has mentioned, uh, through many Twitter polls and many haranguing of me, that pins are where it's at in 2018, so <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, if you head over, again, we don't have the pins yet. We should have them uh, shortly, I, I would assume within the next two to three weeks. Uh, but you could pre-order your pin uh, at 8 bucks, uh, $2 shipping and handling, all the information's over on the site. And then also for a limited time, at the very least, while the pre-order for the pins is going on, if you purchase a pin or purchase a shirt and purchase a shirt together, it's 20 bucks. Uh, with $5 shipping for everything. Now, you may want to double check with me, um, on the sizes. We got a lot of large, we got a lot of meat, we got a lot of extra large, we got a lot of 2X, small, medium, 3X, not so much. If you're leaning on one of those ends of the spectrum on sizes, you know, maybe contact us at longboxheroes at gmail.com first before placing your order. 
Uh, but again, with the pre-order, if you do the the shirt and the pin together, we're going to wait and ship everything at once when the pins come in. And again, doing the pre-order on the pins is a way to guarantee that you get those limited edition pins. Because I have a feeling that once they're gone, they're gone. I I think so, too. Right. Um. And yes, I was. I don't know what I was going to say there. I got confused. I'm so happy there's pins, Joe. Todd's dream has come true. So many times he has said to me that I make the sh- I call the shots on this. It's you know what I say goes on this. This one was for you, Todd. Just like when that woman says, "This is all for you, Damien in the Omen." Oh, this is yes. all for you, Todd. With the second Doctor in that movie. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, Patrick Troughton. He was the doc- He was the, the the guy who gets the weather vane through him. Oh, good. That's how all the doctors should go. That's it. He didn't regenerate, though. Oh, boy. That's in the next omen. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> so, if you don't want a shirt, you don't want a sticker, you don't want a pin, uh, you can always purchase anything uh, literally through our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. Uh, charges you, you nothing extra, gives us a couple cents, kickbacks as a referral fee, advertising bonus, whatever Amazon wants to call it these days. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the link this past week is someone purchased Season 10 on DVD of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, I can't wait for that to come back. Love It's Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone purchased the Blu-ray of Justice League. I did make sure to note not to send them the uh, Zack Snyder cut because I know that's on some of the DVDs. Is it really? No. I didn't know if that was a thing. Oh, no, that is a whole thing. I know it's the whole thing, but I didn't know if it got released. No, That's why I was like... It's never getting released because there is no Zack Snyder cut. I hate to burst anyone's bubble. Who is waiting for the Zack Snyder cut? It doesn't exist. It's a myth. How dare you? How snide dare you? (laughs) We also had a couple people purchase the aforementioned... Uh, Vision Collection, uh, digitally through Amazon, since Comixology is an Amazon company. If you're smart and know how to set up your Amazon, your Comixology through your Amazon and then use our link to purchase the stuff, we get a kickback. You get great deals on digital comics. Win-win. And I'm guessing that this was the same person who purchased these next two items. Oh, go ahead. I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. Uh, the same person purchased these next two items, Todd. Someone purchased Royal Sovereign Assorted Coin Preformed Wrappers and the Royal Sovereign Electric Coin Sorter with patented anti-jam technology. Oh, I wonder if it has anti-peanut butter technology, too. I was going to say (laughs) anti-marmalade technology, but six of one, half a dozen of the other. That's right. Hamburger. Thank you, everyone, who purchased anything through our Amazon click-through. Todd, did we have anything on the Art Attack this week? Yes, we did. Um, We had from Jason Sandberg. He has a work in progress. Um, He sent me a link to it, and so you have to click on that and go to it. It looks like it's going to be Thor, and we can see his Thor hammer, so when that's all done... We'll see it all. And also, super contributor to uh, Todd's Art Attack, Euronymous, sent a Jill Thompson uh, cat doodle that was in a scary godmother book. Um, you know, I always love when someone signs something and an artist is like, oh, I'll give you a little something there. You know, I'll give you, you know, if that was Jim Lee, that'd be a, like a $850 cat doodle. But he, Jill Thompson probably the, did that. 
He'd punch in the nose and hold a cup underneath your nose <laughs> to collect right. the blood. <laughs> hey, Sorry. Todd, you know, Jill Thompson designed the entrance robe for Daniel Bryan at one of his WrestleManias. I wonder if she's designing any of his new gear for any upcoming WrestleMania appearances that he'll be having. Meh. Meh. Now, Meh. J- just to backtrack... Uh, on Jason Sandberg's Berg's site, uh, I do want to mention on the work in progress that he has, mm-hmm. uh, I love the shading technique that he's doing there. Right. Yes. And hey, I'll throw him a, I'll throw him a shout here. Uh, if you click on his site, he's got a bunch of books available uh, through a little Amazon store that he has. Uh, a bunch of short stories, a bunch of kids' books, it looks like. Um, you know, reasonably priced from $4 to $2 there on the old uh, Amazon Kindle. So definitely check those out. Mm-hmm. Jason's uh, been a longtime follower of the show, listener of the show, and contributor as well. So, hey, give him a shout-out. Check out his stuff over on his Amazon thing. If you just follow that, I think it's just, if you go jasonsamberg.com, uh, you'll get to where you need to go. Right. All right, so let's get into TV talk, Todd. Yes. Let's start with The Flash. Uh, This is, I guess, another break episode because they're taking a month off, and we'll get into what what we're going to be doing in that month (laughs) off uh, here shortly. But this is them continuing to find, as they say, the bus metas. Uh, one of the bus metas has the ability to transfer powers from one person to another. And in doing so, he ends up transferring Barry's speed over to Iris, which explains all that imagery that we saw weeks and weeks ago of Iris as a speedster. This is how she gets her speed. Run, Iris, run. Yes. Uh, so as, and you know, you got other subplots going on here with, Ralph now going back to being a chicken instead of kind of reverting to some of the character development that he had. Uh, Joe being a little bit more apprehensive as the baby is on its way a little bit closer. And uh, just kind of, and more, of oh, and uh, Wells has decided that he's going to make his own version of the thinking cap that the thinker used uh, with some sometimes hilarious and sometimes disastrous results. Right, but this time without all that pesky dark matter. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, what'd you think of the episode? Comments, questions, etc. Um, I thought it was an all right episode. You know, Iris got to do her thing. They showed like how like uh, it, it was interesting that she doesn't. She's you know the lead team leader. She doesn't go out in the field and kind of Ralph kind of like he's like you know what you you talk a great game, but like you know you're not out there risking your life. You're not the one that's going to be killed by the you know the thinker if that's me and i thought that was an interesting premise and the 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 wells and cisco thing building the the hat and everything um the only thing i other than we found a meta that can transfer properties i think that's going to be one of the big points of it um otherwise it was an, an okay episode though i do love the guy that he transferred the fire from to the rock and roll guy who just wants his money. Probably the best actor they've had 
on uh, Flash up to this episode, doing like a loser guy who, you know, still probably wants to be a, a guitar god somewhere wearing his kid's shirt, but they got to cover it up so they don't have to pay all the money. But he just kept saying, I want my money. And I'm like, that that's interesting. But I have a theory on the the uh, guy who transfers powers. I think, he, like I said, he's going to be a big part of it. Right. So uh, good episode, not a great episode. Uh, the transfer power guy, what did, uh, melting point is what Cisco named him. Uh, there seemed to be a, a no, that was the fire guy. Oh no, it was, it was the transfer guy. Yes. I'm sorry. Right. Cause, uh, when Caitlin's describing how he diffuses the bonds between the DNA to break them down and move right. them and so on and so forth. Right. Um, so the first time that he did it, uh, transfer the powers, it had to be, like, flesh-to-flesh contact. Mm-hmm. And then when he did it again later, it wasn't. Right, which made me wonder why it didn't do it to Iris when he she scooped him up. Right. So a little... A, a little faultiness there, but again, no big deal. Uh, any Wells stuff, I'm always a sucker for. And mm-hmm. even though he didn't have the cap on, he did figure out the names of the other two metas. They convince Melting Point to join the team, where at a moment's notice he was ready to slit Iris's throat with a scalpel. Uh, now he's okay because he's seen the error of his ways. Uh, Ralph also sees that he can't just hide from the problem, so now they've got a united front. They know the names of the last two bus metas. Uh, the thinker was only mentioned and shown in flashbacks in this. Oh, that's right. The other thing is they had to convince Ralph to pose as original thinker so they can appear before the mayor so that they can convince Barry to be allowed to back on the police force. Right. A lot going on in this episode. Just an okay episode. Not great, but again, building toward that home stretch that we're going to come to in about a month. So what's your theory on Melting Point? Um, That he at some point is going to transfer transfer the power from, I can't think of her name, from uh, uh, West's uh, pregnant girlfriend um but either way she has the ability to read she she has the ability to to read thoughts yes i'm wondering if to keep up with the thinker he's gonna transfer it to barry maybe or something like that and since they're a temporary power once the baby's born they're gonna go away or something like that so i'm thinking they're gonna use that against the thinker you know what i mean like we can't outthink you but if we can hear what you're thinking we're we're good to go I like that thought process. I can definitely see he's an EMT. Cecile's about to give birth. Mm-hmm. They figure out that once she has the baby, the powers are going to go. They take the chance to do the transfer in the hopes that someone else will get those powers permanently. Right. And we're saying we haven't seen the thinker. We don't, we don't know while he was off camera. Who knows? Maybe he got the melting point at some point. And maybe the thinker's on the Flash team, too. Right, right maybe now. he's already melting point and we just don't know it. Right, like early on he wasn't. He accidentally transferred powers. But now he's like, oh, well, I'll go. Like, that's why he's not all scalpily, you know, running around now. Yes. So. In a, in a scene off camera that we're going to see like four episodes from now. Right, a flashback. Right, on the Flash. So again, mm-hmm. good episode, not a great episode, but still, Flash is still a very enjoyable show that I like watching. Right. Uh, and Todd, I'm looking at my clock, and it is that time. 
Is it officially Wig O'Clock again? It is Wig O'Clock, as we are about to discuss the most recent episode of Legends of Tomorrow, Necromancing the Stone. <laughs> Great title. Great title indeed. Um, so, the end of the last episode, they got the death totem out of the hilt of Elvis's guitar in 1952, <laughs> uh, Memphis. Now, I was describing this show to my wife. <laughs> and uh, she goes, yeah, you watch the show on purpose, huh? You keep doing that. <laughs> so, um, uh, Adam makes uh, a thing to hold the totems in while they're not being used. Also, they're trying to fix the fire totem since that's all smashed up. Uh, but the death totem is calling to Sarah. And, of course... Uh, she is visited by apparitions, visions, some things of her past. And, of course, these things convince her to pick up the death totem. And then, through a series of events, um, with the power of the death totem, she appears to everyone else on the team as their greatest fear, or the thing that haunts them the most, or some sort of person from their past, or some other thing seven different times. They all fall for it. However, there was only one wig in this entire episode, Todd, and it was probably to date the best wig ever on the show. I was wondering, because I was like, that's a pretty good wig. And again, wonder, you notice, one... nobody else was wearing wigs on this episode, Todd. Mm -hmm. They spent their entire wig... Hang on, what are we, we're, we're what, uh, season three, episode 15? Mm -hmm. Someone finally said, hey... We only have a wig budget of X. Instead of using that X to buy 40 wigs of varying quality and sizes, <laughs> why don't we spend this money on just one really good wig and really take care of it? And that must have blown everyone's minds. They're like, what show are you working on? Are you from somewhere else? Is Alan Funt filming this for something? <laughs> Don't you know what show this is? We pride ourselves on our terrible wigs. But, uh, no, I thought um, Sarah looked really cool as an amalgam of the lead character from the TV show iZombie and Silver Banshee. Amalgams, yes, they're awesome. <laughs> Amalgams. Um, you know, we're, we're this far along, and, you know, we all know that uh, Mick is, you know, a good guy. He's a legend, of course. We don't have to all the time. It's like, I'm not supposed to be with you. But, but even this... though he is a he is a dirtbag because he almost got Ray killed. Right. Because he had to go day drinking. <laughs> um, so there was that. I was interested in that. Um, but it was, it but, was a good episode other than the trope of everyone falling for the same ploy over and over again. You've been dealing with all of this like wacky and crazy supernatural stuff. Like I mentioned before when we were talking about the, the Marvel 2-in-1 book. It's like, okay, I know... I've had this similar thing happen to me personally as part of being in the DC TV universe at least a dozen times, or at least I've heard about it. Because, you know, us people in the DC TV universe, as we talk, you know, <laughs> we hear stories about like, oh man, you'll never guess, X villain appeared to me as Y person from my past, and I almost fell for it too. And it's like, why? I don't know. All right. Well, just on that, I'm Go going ahead. to play devil's advocate on that. Play devil's now, advocate. All right. Now, um, ISIS didn't fall for it. 
Right. She she ends up like she sees that it's the member of family. He's like, tell me the story. And she's telling him the story. But then she's like, I, like that one was her buying the time so she could uh, destroy the AI of the, the ship. So she didn't fall for it. One person um, out of six of them. Um, and what was it? I don't think, um, wasn't Ray or not Ray, uh, steel looking for, uh, Sarah. So he was looking for her anyway and he was going to fight her, but he got beat up. Right. Because his grandfather, the younger version of his grandfather from the sixties appeared to him Mm -hmm. on the ship and he started crying. That is true. I would cry too. And I just want to say on the wig, I think that's just a, a Killer Frost wig they had laying around, and they just styled it a little different. Yes. Um, so you have that. And then I was thinking they gave uh, uh, Mick the fire totem. Yes. But I have a, I, I'm thinking that somewhere along the line, somebody else is getting that fire totem before the season's over. You think so? Yeah, I think... Uh, we may have a new firestorm soon. Ooh, that's I wasn't even thinking of that. I was gonna say let Mick, because Mick's like, Ugh, I don't want this fire totem. Now I gotta wear a necklace. Mm-hmm. No, I think uh, we're gonna see firestorm again, and that's the way. Ooh, that's interesting. I like that thought process. Right, and I think Ava is the little girl that uh, Sarah killed her father. Okay. Because wibbly wobbly timey wimey, it makes you think that it's not her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, because they are a time uh, agency, maybe they picked her out of, you know, from a different time. Yes. And she's all grown up, you know, so, and that's why Rick, uh, Rip Hunter says, she, she could, she loves Ava, she could never find out what, who she really is. That she's one of the victims of, uh, Sarah's murder sprees from, uh, the League of Assassins. Yes. That's all. I just have these weird theories that have that pop up. I like your theories. So before we wrap this up and get into some Jessica Jones talk, as we mentioned before, Flash is going on a little bit of a break, uh, but we do have something tentatively to fill that break. Uh, As of uh, this week, the Krypton show is debuting on Siffy. Um, (laughs) We're going to try it. We're going to see how it is. Okay, I'm just... I'm just going to say, I was watching, like, Mad Max on and Siffy the other day. Yes. And I saw the commercial for it. Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of all in on this from oh, the commercial really? that I saw. Yeah. I, I don't want to tell, like, the commercial gives away a bunch of plot points. And finding out what the plot of Krypton is, I'm like, and then... You know, obviously there's a villain in Krypton. You know, I'm not, no, there's no, you know, what telling you who it is. But they walk out, and I'm like, that looks pretty decent. I'm like, okay, you know, the the characters that are in it. I'm like, you got me. I'm I'm interested in the in the in the whatever you're gonna do. So yeah. I'm definitely I'm definitely looking forward to trying uh, Krypton, even though the, it is not the grumpy version of Superman's grandfather. Oh, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of I don't want to say indifferent. I know nothing about it, but it's a sci-fi original series, so you know my um, my radar is kind of set a little low for it. Todd saw a commercial. He says he's ready to go. We'll talk about it here next week. Hamburger. So Jessica Jones season two. Just to wrap right. this up, I know. Um, so 
it's tough to explain what the through line of the series is, right? Of this particular mm-hmm. series, because there's all these different subplots. Like, every character has minimally two subplots going on. Um, whether it be Jessica, whether it be Trish, whether it be Malcolm, uh, whether it be uh, Jerry, all these people have everything, and everything's intersecting, and nobody's talking to each other, nobody's helping each other, everyone's lying to each other and deceiving each other, which surprisingly is causing more and more problems. Right. Um, so, the, 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 I guess the main crux, the main story of this is, is Jessica's powers, right? Mm-hmm. How she got her powers, where the powers came from, trying to find the IGH people, uh, and therefore uncovering more and more people that either have been touched by IGH, either positively or negatively, like the wizard at the beginning uh, of the show. Of With the, the, best of, the best effects when he runs ever. <laughs> I, me and Matt were having a conversation. He hates those effects. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. I thought they were real cheesy when he was doing them indoors, but mm-hmm. when he was doing them outdoors, some reason, I think they looked a little bit better. I, it looks so weird. It looks so weird. <laughs> um, so, of course, there's people who either have powers or people who were affected by people with powers. People who want powers. People who want powers. And the the slide that they go on and the bad decisions that they make. This show is just a series of mistrust and bad decisions. Which I usually like. Mm-hmm. Which I usually like, that's right up my alley. Yes. For like that dark tone to a TV show. This one I did not like because by the end I like, cause usually the first season of Jessica Jones I like people made bad decisions and people were like, you know, s- secret filled. But in the end you kind of felt sorry for everybody. You're like, oh, like you're pushing this person away and this is happening to you and you lost your family and you feel bad. But every decision everybody makes in this series is stupid. And it upsets me. And the only storyline that I really liked was Jerry's. Yes. I thought Jerry's was the best. And when you find out it's a it's a scam, oh. you're crushed. I was crushed. And she and, was probably from the first season into the first mm. half of this season, maybe the most unlikable of everyone. Right. And, and she they baby faced her. They made her a, the they made her the baby face of the series. Mm-hmm. And just the people that did it. and But even in the... I don't know if you could be that much of a baby face with how she resolves things. Right. Um, and that was the thing. It was like, see, now that's the dark part that I that I enjoyed. But then like with Trish, Trish just betraying everybody to get her powers. And, it, and they try to tell you why. Like she's like, oh, like she was always worried she'd be a nobody and nothing special. And then she had to live with a special person and Jessica. And... It's just you're like, okay, I get it, but it doesn't work, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't like it. And then just uh, and and the ending of how Trish ends up killing the the villain, and it's like, well, it was that easy? Apparently, just shoot her in the head. Like nobody else pulled the trigger ever. And it's just weird. It just it's very chaotic through the, through the whole series. But I like Jerry. And I'm trying to think of the one other thing. The one other thing that I thought was cool was the flashback was funny that they made just like changing Kristen uh, Ritter's wardrobe and her hairstyle a little bit. She actually went from like a 20 some year old woman to me just looking exactly like a teenager. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, that was some good work. But overall, I was really disappointed with this season. Um, I wouldn't say that I was disappointed. Obviously, it was not as good as the first season. I really thought the first season was great. And as you mentioned, how a lot of the first season, and just like this season, was all these people making these bad decisions, right? Mm-hmm. While everyone was making the bad decisions in season one, just as they were in season two, I think the main thing with season one is that even though all of these characters are making bad decisions, we have a defined villain. We have a defined threat. We have a defined mm-hmm. thing that all roads lead to, right? Mm-hmm. There was not a defined threat in this. Everything was kind of shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Not um, purple. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Well, we'll get to that. No, um, I'm joking. You know, we get the information like Jess, of course, is not great. You know, Jerry kind of starts out as a heel. You know, obviously is a terrible person from the previous season, and through the course of the season, they kind of baby face turn her. Malcolm is the person who turned his life around. Then he starts making all sorts of poor decisions, right? Right. But then everybody, you know, messes his life up. You know? Right. Um, and then, of course, you know, we get Carl, the guy who was at the head of IGH, who did all these experiments. And it's almost like seeming like, okay, he's the bad guy because he's the one who did all these experiments. But then they kind of baby face him a little bit and make him sympathetic. But then very easily he just goes along with like Trish's like, I'll kill you if you don't give me these powers. Like, yeah, let me just hook up these crazy machines to your spine and let's see what happens. Who knows? It might work or it might not work, right? Right. When it came to him, I always felt it was like he was legitimately trying to do good work. And then he sought to go off the rails and he's like, I'm done. But he couldn't walk away from it. You know, like even when she had the gun to him, he's like, I would have done it anyway because I can't ever give this up. It's really weird. Everybody's gray, but just so gray, it just washes everything out. Right. There wasn't enough of Oscar, the new superintendent. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his stuff was like, oh, you know, we introduced him and it was very clear. It's like, okay, he's going to be the romantic interest for Jessica. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't like powers or I'm, I'm against powered people. But it's really because he's a, you know, he's a felon and he's trying to keep a low profile. But then he keeps doing multiple times the things he got put away for, which is a bigger deal than whatever Jessica's doing, right? Mm-hmm. At least directly affecting him and his kid. Um, Again, I felt bad for Malcolm, all the bad decisions that he was getting himself involved in. Um, But, again, it continues of, like, all of these people's cycles of abuse and addiction and all the stuff in their life that it just keeps kind of cycling and cycling. Um, And while this may have been an uneven season and compared to the first season, episode 11, Todd. Right. I want to get to one thing before we hit episode 11. Um, One of the problems that I had with it was that Jessica's a detective and she does almost no detective work in this whole season. And the detective work that she does is just so like poor. It's ridiculous. It's like, it's things that like we could do. She, she never has a case. She never really does anything. And it's like, Oh, well my wife took my kid. Um, well, does, do you have a credit card? She's like, yeah, well she never had a credit card. She didn't like it. Well, just, they're all maxed out. Do you have one that you share? He's like, yes, let me, let me check the one credit card she has. And I'm like, these are all like just easy decisions. And like they showed that she was a good detective in season one, but it it never really worked. It just seemed like everything just fell into place for her. Uh, she in did season have that two. one scene at the end with them at the diner when she met up with Oscar. Right. That was a good scene where she's like, she right. realizes it's a trap by looking around. Yes. 
So, but you know what I'm trying to say, though? She, she, she did the spine on the pizza guy in the first episode, but other than that, like, she didn't really do what Jessica Jones does. Right, which I think is, it should be, throughout the season, it should be, oh, there's the overarching thing, and then, like, her doing little cases. Like, in the first season, she finds out, but it turns out to be a setup that they hate powered people, too, but she actually has to do some detective work, right. so... I don't know, but go ahead on episode 11, because I have things to say about episode 11, too. Episode 11, by far the best episode of the series, episode season two, and that's where Jessica's having visions in her head of Kilgrave the Purple Man, essentially telling her to kill again. Mm-hmm. That it's okay, and him just being that dissenting voice in her head was fantastic. And I don't know what else David Tennant has done. Uh, outside of this, but he did such a good job in this, I might think about seeing something else that he was in. If only there was something else that he was in that someone could tell me what it was. But I don't want to hear about it right now. Right, we'll work on that later. <laughs> but now all that, like, I, he is he is the, the high point of season one. He definitely is. And his thing in here, the only problem I have with it is to get for to get to him to, like, tempt her and her break free of it, and then even him, there's a great line where he's like, I'll be here. If you need me, you're like, you're, you're never getting, you're never getting him out of your head. But to do that, I is when I kind of lost all my respect for Jessica Jones is now, honestly, is when she breaks into the prison guard's house and kills him. I'm like, you're like, okay, they try to make it good. They try to like, you know, make him a heel and get her over by like, oh, well, he's made many people commit suicide. He abused his mother, blah, blah, blah. But he's literally like, you broke into my house. This is self-defense. And he just, she just accidentally cracks him in the head, but then makes it look like a suicide. I'm like, this is all too far. I'm like, it, it gets so wacky and convoluted at that point. It's like, she, she does all this stuff and throughout it, she, she disposes of a, of another body early on. And I'm like, Man, you're like you have to get caught for something. You're not that great. The cops in Jessica Jones are idiots. You know, like that's the way I look at it. I was not happy with her killing a guy. But um it could it. arguably be in self-defense, but I get you. She kills the guy in his home. Right. She she went looking for the trouble and found it. Right. You know, and I think, you know, getting her him like doing doing the detective work and getting him caught would have been better than murdering him. Right. So. Um, but as you mentioned and, you know, we talked before, I th- definitely think that episode 11 with um, David Kilgrave Tim. really shows how strong he was in holding together that first season. I agree. Yes. He's a great actor. Yes. And all joking aside, I know you don't want to hear, like, that's I, the heart and soul of Doctor Who. Like, when he was in there, the the writing with his acting is mm-hmm. the best it was, you know, ever, as right. far as I was concerned. Um, And again, I kid, but, uh, yeah, again, I know he's a Doctor Who, but I don't think he was, like, this much of a baddie in Doctor oh, Who. Oh, that's what we forgot to mention in Legends of Tomorrow. Is we've totally skipped over John Constantine was in the episode. Oh, come on. And he mentions, he's like, he mentions time travel. He's like, like that, that doctor, what's it show? And they're like, who? He's like, yeah, like, yeah. And I'm like, Joe, Joe should love that. Oh, and you know what? And I, I know this has come up before and we're backtracking again. We're wrapping up TV here. Mm-hmm. In Flash, 
where they're talking, uh, Cisco and Wells are talking about him doing the experiments on himself. Mm-hmm. And Cisco says, haven't you seen what happens, you know, when you do this to yourself? Haven't you seen Spider-Man 2? <laughs> In the Flash DC Cinematic Universe, Spider-Man 2 is a movie that you can see in the theaters. Well, they've mentioned Spider-Man before. I know they've mentioned it before, but they've mentioned it again. So it's a whole thing. And also, the one thing I like about John Constantine in this in this episode is if you give him a foot, he'll take a mile. I will say the effects on that foot, foot were really nice. That did look like a real foot. I like when he just put it on. He puts his chin on the foot. But uh, Constantine's great. I love Constantine. I don't care what you say. So uh, he, was, this was the best he's been uh, in the show, I'd say. Right. Uh, but yeah. And I don't know. If, oh. I don't know if you heard. He's going. To, if it gets renewed, he they want him as a regular for next season. Oh, they're gonna have to take a little bit of money out of the wig budget to get him on board. <laughs> Oh, but I'm hoping, Joe, I'm hoping, and then I'll, I'll let us get out of here, is we get John Constantine, and then they, they, they get Jonah Hex on the ship, and it's, I get a season of Jonah Hex teaming up with John Constantine. You know, if they do that, if this is gonna be their way to make next season of Legend of Tomorrow, like the vertigo season of them all. Right. Like, we'll get Swamp Thing, and we'll get, like, some other, like, Kid Eternity. And... Something, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So a lot of good TV, comic books, all sorts of stuff. It was a full show today, Todd. Han Burger. <laughs> all right. So for Todd, this is Joe closing out episode 390 of Longbox Heroes, and we'll catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo.